Molly, have you have you seen my DVDs? Maybe maybe they're in this box over here. Oh my goodness, my my blue my blue snowball microphone. I remember you. Oh, I I used to have a podcast. This is my podcast box. Oh, uh oh. Oh, wait a second. Um, Mark? Is that you? Jason? Mark! There you are! Oh my god. Have you been in there since after the national title? Yeah. Of course. I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. We've been really busy. I mean, we moved and, um, you know, there's been a lot of good television. I'm sorry. I'm glad you didn't suffocate in there. But, uh, since you're here, why don't we do a podcast again? Let's do it. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. I'm glad there's no ill will. Anyway, that's ridiculous. All right. Uh, anyway, welcome back to our second season of our podcast, Processing College Football. This is going to be our week one review slash season preview, overreaction, and week two preview. This is, as I said, Processing College Football, the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. I'm your host, Jason Randazza, and with me, as always, Mark Catlin. Mark, how have you been? I've been good. It's uh, It's been a long time to be in a box. However, <laughs> I, um, I, I recover quickly. Stretch, stretch a little bit. <sighs> there we go. There we go. Yeah, oh, the neck feels good. That feels good. You know, I'm good at folding up into small spaces, so sure. I was uh, went down for the long nap for a little bit, and now I'm, now I'm back. But yeah, it's exciting to be back. Another season has started, and uh, yeah. it's good to get the podcast rolling again. I know our listeners have been dying, just like I was without oxygen they're, for a long time. So have they been? They're, the they're clamoring for it. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I hope that in the 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 intervening time in that box, uh, I left you a television or something to to stay apprised of these things. Because, as our old listeners know, but our new listeners should be aware, uh, this is processing college football, and basically, uh, what this comes down to is you are our resident football expert, somebody who kind of grew up in the world of football, and me, the football novice, somebody who didn't grow up in, in that world and uh, is still learning about it uh, these last few years, uh, kind of interacting and, and processing through what uh, things mean or or trying to figure that out. I still have a, a long way to go. And it's actually good that we waited until after the first week's slate of games went through, because if we try to preview the whole season, as anybody who listened to our, our bowl previews knows, even after an entire season watching those teams, I really, I couldn't predict anything. I think I went, you know, maybe three for 41 during the bowl season. Um. <laughs> which isn't bad. Which isn't bad for us. You know. <laughs> it's an unpredictable game, this football. Um, it's a good thing our podcast isn't, doesn't automatically lock us into bets in Vegas. Uh, yeah. I would, I, I might have to hide in that box from all of my, my creditors, I suppose. Anyway, uh, so Mark, why don't we start this new season defining a couple terms that I think we might actually need to talk about during this very podcast. I jokingly put on our Google Doc that we needed to talk about what the off-season is. Uh, I think that uh, a sufficient definition to say is it's dark and lonely. Uh, and so <laughs> you experienced the same off-season in that box that the rest of us did outside exactly. of it. Um, anyway, but it's over. So what the, the term I want you to define to help me uh, parse through is the secondary so I've heard a lot about, namely Alabama, replacing their entire secondary. So I guess, what is a yeah. secondary? Is there a primary? Um, and is there a tertiary? So. Uh, well, I think, you know, so the secondary, probably the easiest way to put it is your corners and safeties on your defense on the football field. So 
essentially, this is a little too simplistic, but the guys who cover the wide receivers, and that's their job. Now, they'll also come and run defense and things like that. But your corners and safeties, they're called the secondary because they're kind of your secondary line of defense. You have your defensive line and your linebackers that are your primary line of defense now. They're not called the primary. <laughs> they're just called defensive linemen and linebackers. But then your secondary is kind of your last line of defense. And so uh, the corners and safeties, you know, make up the secondary. And that can be done in a lot of ways. But for Alabama, the significance is, you know, uh, our corners – last year uh, and our safeties last year our starting corners and safeties are all gone and so we're having to replace those guys on defense uh Deontay Thompson our safety was the only guy who had any experience coming back and so that has been a huge point of kind of of just being young and inexperienced for the Alabama football team is our secondary our corners and safeties the guys who cover wide receivers down the field all right I gotcha uh, I, I'm my takeaway here is that I'm actually going to coin the term the primary to refer to everybody else on the line. Now um, I could be wrong. At some point in college football or football in general, there may have been the primary, and, and there will be again. the primary strengthened up, and maybe the, <laughs> we can bring it back. But I am not familiar with such terminology. All right. Well, thank you for defining that for me. And for those of you listening out there, if you have questions you want us to answer or topics you want us to discuss or terms you want us to define, uh, send them in. You can tweet at us at ProcessingCFB or email us at ProcessingCollegeFootball at gmail.com. But let's go ahead and get into our week one recap highlights. Why, why don't we just start there then? Why don't we start with Alabama? Alabama played Louisville. Alabama was a preseason number one ranked team playing Louisville on the road at Camping World Stadium. <laughs> Camping World for all your RV pontoon boat needs. So Alabama ended up winning this game 51 to 14. And there are a lot of uh, important storyline elements here. So, if you were a casual observer and you watched this game, you would say, oh, Alabama did pretty well. And you would be right, unless you talked to Nick Saban, who for some reason was angry about it. But the big storyline here was, who was going to start, Tua or Jalen? The answer we found out was Tua. Uh, Jalen also played uh, a number of snaps in this game, but really the takeaway was that, that Tua... Uh, succeeded uh, far beyond Jalen, I suppose, just to be perfectly frank. Uh, Tua threw 16 passes, completed 12 of them for 227 yards. He had two passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Uh, Jalen, on the other hand, had uh, five passes uh, completed out of nine for a total of 70 yards. Uh, no no production that uh, resulted in a touchdown. And then <laughs> Mac. Is it Mac Brown? What is his last name? Mac, Mac, Jones. Mac Jones. Mac, Mac Brown's Jones. the old coach of the Texas Longhorns and North Carolina Tarios. Bit of a, a fall from grace. He's now third string quarterback for Alabama. <laughs> Mac Brown. Happy to have you. He completed zero of one passes for zero yards. But he was out there, so good for him. What are your takeaways here for this game? Yeah, I mean, you know, the main takeaway everybody was looking forward to the two of Jalen. Uh, showdown and Tua, I think most people knew that Tua would start, um, and he deserved a start and he showed why he was a starter at quarterback. He, at the end of the day, can just read defenses better and quicker and the offense looks completely different when he's running it. Um, so I mean, that, that's kind of number one. Uh, number two, I thought the, another takeaway was, uh, I think we scored on offense, defense, and special teams. We had a kickoff return for yeah. a touchdown, uh, from Josh Jacobs. Our defense returned, uh, interception for a touchdown. And obviously our offense was firing on all cylinders, especially with two, uh, quarterback. And so, man, that was just from kind of all sides of the ball. We are a scoring machine. Uh, and I really loved watching Josh Jacobs get involved. Uh, he's, been a running back now for a while, and it's fun to watch him go. So, I mean, that's another thing, just scoring from all aspects mm-hmm. of the game. 
Um, but also, I mean, on the on the negative side, I I kind of agree with Saban. I mean, he was a little angry after the game, maybe unnecessarily so, uh, with one question. But there's definitely some things to be frustrated about. I mean, there were a lot of penalties, mm-hmm. uh, ten penalties for over 100 yards. Seven of those were on the defense. Um, and the defense looked sloppy, and that young secondary that we were replacing, uh, there were some just holes. There were wide receivers running wide open uh, and getting hit uh, from, by the quarterback and for, for pretty big gains. And We're not used to seeing those sort of breakdowns, and that has to do with communication in the secondary and having the right call and knowing what you're supposed to do. So I think those things will get cleaned up, um, but that's a little concerning. The other concerning thing, at least in my opinion, with what we're used to seeing is our offensive line didn't block very well, especially in pass protection. And so, you, I mean, Tua is very mobile. Jalen's very mobile. And so they can get away from a lot of the pressure. But uh, the offensive line has got to clean it up a lot. Uh, and they weren't great. In the running game, it was sort of there, but it wasn't what we were used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And so the offensive line, I think, and the defense just getting tighter in their communication, in their coverages, um, and being less sloppy with so many penalties. Those are two pretty big keys moving forward. Louisville wasn't able to take advantage of those opportunities, uh, but a better team, especially a better quarterback, will. And so if they're not cleaned up by the time we play somebody, even like Missouri with Drew Locke at quarterback, Mm -hmm. that could be a dangerous game if we're not communicating well. So my big takeaways are two was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Scoring from from, in all aspects of the game, offense, defense, special teams. Uh, and then a little bit of sloppy play on the defense from on the hole, and then the offense was a little offensive line was a little weak. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I did not notice a whole lot of those things. Uh, for people who didn't watch the game, and you know, I can respect that because some people just don't like to tune in to watch three and a half hours of Alabama crushing someone. But the highlights are definitely worth <laughs> going back to watch because of what Mark was saying. Basically, that Alabama was. I don't know, scoring in some pretty remarkable ways. I know Tua's first touchdown pass uh, under pressure, I mean, I think he had a couple guys on him, if not three guys on him, and he throws to the corner of the end zone. It, it really looked remarkable, uh, and, and it really required some 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 presence. Yeah, and we're if, even debating whether or not he actually saw that player there or whether he was throwing it away, but it was a pretty on-target pass. So Yeah, and I mean, an easy way to to quantify the difference between Jalen and Tua is Tua on that drive was either 4 or 4 or 5, 5 of 5, and every pass was a completion to a different wide receiver mm-hmm. or running back, so or tight end, Damian Harris, then Irv Smith Jr., uh, then Devontae Smith, then I think it was Jerry Judy in the end zone. And so he's just distributing the ball all over the place, whereas Jalen tend, tended last year to, to focus on one receiver, and he couldn't mm-hmm. go through his reads. So that's going to be scary moving forward. If Tua can really distribute the ball like that consistently, our offense is going to be pretty unstoppable. Okay, so before we move on to other games, and there were sure a lot of exciting games, I want to take our listeners down a hypothetical rabbit hole. What's up, Jack? All right, so for this hypothetical rabbit hole, I want to ask you a question. What if Lamar Jackson had been in this game? So Lamar Jackson, as most folks know, uh, Heisman winner a couple years back. He was Louisville's remarkable dual-threat quarterback, uh, the type of quarterback that Alabama historically struggles with. So I'm guessing whenever Alabama and Louisville scheduled this game, uh, Lamar Jackson probably wasn't playing for them. And you and I were talking back and forth about how, in some ways, it's a little unfortunate that we didn't get to see how this game would have played out if he had been there. But you, you, you were of the opinion that ultimately it was it was a good thing. So, what do you think would have happened if if he had been in this game with our new secondary, and I guess just being as uh, prolific with the ball as he was? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was good that he wasn't in there just because I would have been so frustrated with our defense a lot more. But and uh, to go back, I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson's a great passer, but he's also an amazing runner, and so he would have run for a lot of yards. Our defense. On run stopping was incredible. I think they had maybe 16 total yards or something, yeah. uh, less than one yard a rush or something crazy. But 
Yeah, it would have been a lot more of it. It would have been a more exciting game just because Lamar Jackson's involved. I think the scores would have been higher for both teams for two reasons. One, because Lamar Jackson's the game for Louisville, so they would have scored more. But two, I think Tua would have been in more, and they wouldn't have been so freely interchanging Jalen in there. And we would have scored. It would have been something insane. It would have been like maybe in the mid to high 60s to something in the 20s. Um, and so maybe like th- roughly the same difference, point differential, but far more exciting, uh, and far more, uh, far, just a, a lot more, much, or, holy crap, say words, Mark, jeepers, creepers, you psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been just, uh, I think maybe it would have been close in the beginning and then Bama would have continued to pull away and they would have figured out something with Lamar Jackson. But, yeah, the point differential would be the same, but it would have been a shootout. That's the word I was looking for, much more ah, of a shootout. Roger so you can just edit that down to where it sounds like English. You got it. I probably won't do that. Our <laughs> our listeners deserve nothing but the unfiltered. <laughs> the pure. Real. Pure world. delivery. Yeah. That sounds good. All me. right. Let's talk about a game that could have been anxiety-provoking if you were a fan of one of these two teams. It was the Auburn-Washington game. So preseason rankings had Auburn at number nine, Washington at number six, and I believe the line had Auburn by a point or so, which actually seemed a little odd to me. Uh, End result of this game was Auburn 21, Washington 16. So Auburn gets the win, and I think they were rewarded by going up a couple in the rankings this week. I think Auburn's defense basically kept them in this game for the whole time until they could pull away, I guess if you could call five points pulling away, because this was relatively close in the second half. It looked like Auburn was dominating for the first few drives, and and I texted some folks, and I was like, all right, is it too early for me to write off the, the Pac-12? And the answer was resoundingly, it's never too early for that. So uh, <laughs> that's done. <laughs> anyway, what did you think of this match? Uh, I mean, I think – I don't know if you remember last year. I think it, uh, was that? Yeah, last year, the Auburn-Clemson game. It felt a little bit like that, an early game between two really good teams, but they haven't hit their stride yet. Right, And so it was like, man, these teams have a lot of potential, and they showed flashes of what they're going to be as really good offenses and defenses. But it was also, man, there was a lot of rust that was there. Now, that could also be because there was so much preparation for each team. They just knew what they were going to run. But 20, 21-16 just felt low scoring, felt like a defensive battle. Auburn's defense was dominant for much of the time. Um, and then some Washington would just suddenly run – uh, a four-play drive in 40 seconds to score a touchdown. Like, where in the world did that come from? Yeah. Um, I think I texted you at one time. It was like, Auburn just looked like they stood there while Washington scored a touchdown. But I don't know. Sure. I, I, didn't th- I didn't think there was a ton to take away from the teams themselves. I think they're going to be great teams this year. Perfect. They're going to get better as the season goes on. But, I mean, the real takeaway is just the effect that it has. If Auburn doesn't win that game, most likely they're going to drop one in the season because they're in the SEC and it's a tougher schedule. Um, and they're, they'd likely be out of the playoffs, but winning that game, uh, puts them in a, in a much better position, even to lose a game down the road, uh, and SEC play and still make it. And whereas Washington, if they lose the game, uh, they don't have the toughest schedule in the world. And so they have a much more likely chance of getting back or getting to the playoff, even though they lost this first game. So I don't know. I, I think they're both really good teams still. And both still have a chance, actually, to make it to the playoff if they run the table from here on out. And even if Auburn drops one, I think they still have a chance. Roger that. Jared Stidham looked good in this. As I said, Auburn's defense looked great. Let's move on. Notre Dame, Michigan. Notre Dame was ranked number 12. Michigan ranked number 14. Notre Dame won this 24-17. to So, a few interesting things from this game. First of all, Notre Dame at some point was up by a couple touchdowns. I think this uh, that Michigan scored the the last seven points there kind of late in the game. Shea Patterson transferred to be quarterback in Michigan, and the, the 
the, the consistent belief, I don't know if it's just with Michigan or most teams that are kind of sitting there on the cusp, it's, they're only a, a good quarterback away, and there was a lot of hope that Shea Patterson would be that good quarterback at Michigan, especially since, wasn't Jim Harbaugh like a quarterback coach? He was a quarterback himself. Yeah, he was a quarterback um, himself, yeah, and it's so, a good one. So I think that people were a little bit disappointed uh, in Ann Arbor that they did not run away with this game and that they ended up losing. Of course, they were playing at Notre Dame. Perhaps that played into it. It's week one. We don't want to read too much into any one game uh, until our later segment, which, of course, uh, we will. But uh, Notre Dame did look like uh, definitively the better team here. Yeah, I mean, the overarching kind of feeling coming away from this is just disappointment from Michigan. Like, you have Shea Patterson. He's a really talented quarterback. Um, he's coming from Ole Miss, going to Michigan, and he thought, man, this is finally their chance to have an elite quarterback there, and this thing's been holding him back. And obviously it wasn't. There, I mean, there's something else there, whether it's Harbaugh or something else that's really holding the offense back. Um, and so when Notre Dame goes up two touchdowns really quickly – it's like, man, it looks like it could be a blowout. Michigan's defense kind of settles in. But Notre Dame looks like a good football team. Michigan looks like it's still searching for its identity. And so it'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame does moving forward. They, mm-hmm. This is a big game for them to get past in the playoff discussion. So it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward with Lynn Bush at quarterback. Their defense looked good. Of course, you know, you wonder, is it just the Michigan offense? But We'll see how these two teams play out. I figure the season for Michigan is going to be pretty rough. And Notre Dame, it looks like it might have a pretty bright season ahead. All right. Let's talk Miami, LSU. Miami, preseason number eight. LSU, preseason number 25. What in the heck happened with this game? Here's how I experience this game. I tune in a little bit after kickoff. They're both 3-3. I'm like, okay, Uh, a little slow going. I turn it off for, I don't know, half an hour. Suddenly, LSU 33, Miami 3. This is not at all how I expected it to go. I I I believed all of the, the hype from last year. I thought the U was back. I bought a turnover chain, of course. I, I thought that we were just destined for a dominant Miami for another decade or so. Uh, I was convinced that LSU would be down and out, maybe forever. It just seemed to be the trajectory. And LSU has this dominant win. Uh, the last two touchdowns that Miami scored were inconsequential. Nobody really thought that this was uh, in doubt any time past the, the third quarter. Did you watch this game? I watched a good bit of this game, and it was not that surprising, to be honest with you. And... I understand it's LSU, it's Ed Orgeron, and <laughs> it felt like they had a terrible season last year because mm-hmm. they, they lost to Troy. Lost to Troy at- <laughs> I remember. <laughs> and, um, and Miami had a great season. But here's the thing. In Miami's big games toward the end of the season, they didn't show up. What, what you started to realize is this is the Mark Richt effect. effect. Mark Richt being the head coach at Miami. At Georgia, he would have great seasons, and then toward the end when the games counted for championships and Mm -hmm. to be in position to actually win a championship, he always faltered. Here, coming into this game, I I really thought, I think the Mark Rick effect is going to influence this game. Now, I don't know if I knew that it would influence this much, and they just did not show up at all. Uh, They had a ton of returning starters on both sides of the ball, and they just looked terrible. They looked like they were going to walk in and just win because they were there. It's like, I understand LSU, maybe they're not going to be great this year, but you don't just walk into a game with LSU and win it, unless you're Troy, of course. Yeah. But you're not. You're Miami. And so the U isn't back. I mean, this is uh, this is several losses in a row now for Miami after a lot of hype. Yeah. And so instead instead of causing turnovers, they I think it's like four themselves. losses in a row. Yeah, it's four losses in a row, and so it's it's like, hmm, yeah, uh, I don't know. The U is definitely not back, so I wouldn't. I, I I would read it more as Miami is not that good this year, 
mm-hmm. unless as LSU is going to be really good. Now, I think they made a big jump in the polls, LSU did, but I would hold back on it. If you look at the stats, they didn't overwhelm or anything. They just but no, they, sco- they-, they scored when it mattered, mm-hmm. um, and they converted their opportunities they had, which is what a good football team does. But it, the score looked a little bit overwhelming over against – or more overwhelming than just the statistics. Yeah. I I saw some statistic for the the second half and it was Miami's starting position versus LSU's and LSU's average starting position in the second half was somewhere deep in Miami territory. Yeah. And so yeah, right. As you said, the the stats in as far as production's concerned, they looked roughly equal. LSU might have had a slight edge over Miami, but nothing to indicate that the score should be so lopsided. I guess I guess we'll see. Uh, as Somebody who is an Alabama fan, I I wasn't expecting LSU to be a team to worry about after this game. I I do feel a little bit more worried. I was surprised by the outcome of this game. I mean, I'll say the other takeaway from this game is with LSU looking dominant against Miami, especially on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Overall, maybe we're going to talk about this later, but the SEC had an incredible weekend. Yeah. Um, and the way that, because this was the this was one of the final games played, and that being kind of the lone game that was being played on that day, it was like, oh wow, the SEC made a massive statement, uh-huh. um, and so it was pretty shocking because this was supposed to be one of the top teams in the ACC to compete with Clemson, yeah. and this is LSU, maybe a mid tier, mid to low tier SEC West team this year, and it just looked. It, it appeared like if you look, if you saw the thirty-three to three score, it was like, what in the world happened in this game? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's the other thing is this is a huge statement game for the SEC, especially the SEC West. Yeah, and we're going to go ahead and why not? We're just going to rank our conferences again right here at the top of the season. But before we do that, let's talk about a an ACC matchup: FSU ranked number nineteen playing against twentieth ranked Virginia Tech. Score to this game was twenty-four to three, Virginia Tech. This was Willie Taggart's inaugural game at FSU. Uh, I've read a lot of articles about how this is his dream job, uh, and and he's kind of coming home. Uh, he didn't play for FSU, but he grew up a fan. So Virginia Tech won this, <laughs> and and I, I, it wasn't close. I mean, there no. was one kind of iffy call where maybe an FSU player should have gotten credit for for a touchdown when he was tackled over another player and his knee was never down. If you looked at the footage, it really looked like it should have probably technically been an FSU touchdown. But other than that, uh, FSU kind of threatened a couple times. They got into the red zone a number of times but could not convert. Here's my question, though, is – did Virginia Tech play well, or did FSU play poorly, or was it some combination of both? Because, frankly, where this game gets really interesting and, and kind of a little bit dicey is is in all of the turnovers. FSU had five turnovers. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, DeAndre Francois, this is his first game back after his injury from uh, the first game last season, he threw two, three. He th- threw three interceptions, right? Two of them intercepts. <laughs> intercepted by the same exact player. I I was watching this and when I saw the second interception, I really thought that they were that ESPN was just running a replay of the first interception because it looked like DeAndre Francois threw it into coverage and it was picked off by this one player, but he just had two interceptions in pretty much a similar fashion. Uh, what's also I think not great for Virginia Tech is that they fumbled the ball like six times, but to their credit, they managed to recover it themselves all of those times. What do you think here? It, should should we be writing FSU off? What's going on? Is Virginia yeah. the, the best team in the ACC? Are we in the overreaction section yet? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, – this was surprising. Uh, I think the five turnovers, it's really hard to stay in a football game when you have five turnovers, especially – I mean, FSU got into the red zone several times and came away with no points several times. 
Um, and anytime you do that, it's going to be really difficult to win a game. So I think they did play poorly in that respect. Virginia Tech played well. They took advantage of their opportunities. I mean, a couple of the surprising things to me were to see how well Virginia Tech ran against Florida State. Mm-hmm. I mean, that first drive from Virginia Tech, there was massive holes in their defensive line, which is just not normal. Um, and Virginia Tech drove right down the field and scored touchdowns. Kind of shocking. Um, and then DeAndre Francois' first game back, he he didn't play well. Um, and so I think it was a combination of both Virginia Tech not playing well, FSU playing poorly. I, I will say, I think uh, I mentioned it looked weird. It looked strange to see FSU's defense giving up so many yards on the ground. But I think on the whole, FSU's defense really kept them in the game. I mean, when your offense has turned it over five times, they had – Right. You know, stand after stand after being given a short field to defend. So I think FSU does have uh, some potential to have a good season, but they got to figure it out on the offensive end. And that's somewhat surprising because DeAndre Francois is coming back. I thought he would be better. Uh, surprising to come out flat like that with Willie Taggart and the excitement that had been built around him coaching and in that program and bringing it back together after – Allegedly, Jimbo Fisher had left it in shambles, et cetera, et cetera. So for them to come out at home and you put up three points, like forget the fact that you lost by 21 at home in this new era under Willie Taggart with DeAndre Fuenson quarterback, but you put up three points, right? If you lose 42 to 21, at least you scored something. Sure. But three points at home against Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech, I think, is only going to get better. Uh, they have a... a quarterback who now has a year of experience under their belt. Their defense is young, but man, they, they looked like they were the team that was playing at home with some moxie, with some attitude. And so I think Virginia Tech's going to have a good season. I don't think they're the best team in the ACC, however. They might be the second best team in the ACC. Sure. Um, man, it was disappointing to see Florida State play so poorly, uh, but Virginia Tech did play also really well, especially on defense. Oh, and they had the block punt for the touchdown. That was brutal. So I, I did think that there were going to be a few points in this game when the momentum would swing towards FSU. They had a number of really impressive plays, and I'm like, all right, here's here's where they turn it around. Because really up until maybe eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, I thought they were still in this game. FSU had a goal line stand on like the one or two yard line uh, that they successfully defended. Uh, Cam Akers had an 85 yard run, and I was like, "All right, now they just punch it in." But they could not. They could do, I don't. Yeah. I don't even think that they got a, a field goal. I think it was pretty late in the game, so uh, it was questionable about whether or not you even go for a field goal. But they they could not. They could not convert this. I think this is actually yeah. uh, what I heard was this is the first time that FSU has not scored a touchdown at home since, like, 2008. Uh, yeah, I think that, that example is a great example. Cam Akers breaks it down the sideline, gets tackled at the five, mm-hmm. and they can't score a touchdown. Yeah. But, I mean, they don't get any points from that. You just have to get points there. And so it's just, and you thought, like, momentum was building, everybody was excited, finally a big play, and then it's gone. Sad. Sad. All right, well. Uh, let's go ahead and go through some other games that happened this past weekend real quick. So rounding out the rest of the top five teams, Clemson wins against Furman. Number three, Georgia blows out Austin PA. Number four, ranked Wisconsin crushes Western Kentucky. And number five, Ohio State beats Oregon State. This is the first of three games that Urban Meyer will be on suspension for, although this is really the only game that he neither coached in practice nor could call the games. Apparently, the next two games that he's also on suspension for, he can coach in practice. He just can't call the games. Although, I'm sorry, when you're a head coach, how much how much play calling are you really still doing? How much is your offensive coordinators and your defensive coordinators? It just seems like a, a dubious punishment. Yeah, I, I I didn't realize until the beginning of this week when there was film of video of him getting out to go to coach. I was like, what kind of suspension is this? No. So when you said he was suspended for three games, you literally meant just for those games. Just for the um, games. That is 
That was very strange. Like, yeah, that does not that do, that is not nearly as big of a deal. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, Ohio State's got some thinking to do on that. But uh, real quick, just to, just because we're here to entertain and to educate, sure. Um, Georgia blew out Austin P. P. But I like that you went for it. It was very. I confident. did. I was very confident. I like it. I'll edit that part out because the only reality our fans need to, to hear <laughs> is coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Mine, it's filtered and professional all of the time. Oh, mercy. All right. Uh, next, we have Oklahoma ranked, geez, I don't even know, six maybe? Uh, playing against FAU, Oklahoma wins this game 63-14. to 14. <laughs> Oklahoma dominating against Lane Kiffin's Owls. So they had five touchdowns after the first four possessions because they had a blocked punt that they returned for a touchdown. There was some talk, of course, this is, you, you just got to fill the, the preseason with speculation. I understand that. Uh, we didn't record in the preseason, but if we had, I would have been like, I don't know, maybe Lane Kiffin has something up his sleeve. The answer was no, he did not. And uh, yeah. Oklahoma uh, is still looking okay without uh, their quarterback. So Michigan State ranked preseason number 11, playing against Utah State which if you had asked me prior to this game if there was a Utah State in Utah, I would have been like, I don't think so. I think there are only two football-playing schools in Utah, and Utah State didn't sound like one of them. But basically, Michigan State wins this game 38-31, to and it's really just on a last-second touchdown that they, they managed to pull ahead and avoid the embarrassment of overtime, which is something that Penn State playing against App State was not able to do. Penn State playing against App State tied it up 38-38. to 38. They were down. Yeah, they were down 38 Yeah, They make a last-second touchdown to send it in overtime, and they ended up pulling ahead and winning 45-38. to 38. App State... I think they have a little bit of a reputation for, for giving bigger schools trouble. I don't know if they play anybody else this year, but I hope they keep it up. It's it's uh, kind of exciting. And then we had number 23-ranked Texas playing against Maryland. Uh, Maryland won this game 34-29. to uh, We talked about whether or not the U is back. They are not. Texas also not <laughs> back. That's just embarrassing. I mean, Tom Herman, this is uh, maybe not going to be your. This is the second time that Texas has lost to Maryland. I think in the opening games, back to back years where you lose to Maryland and you're supposed to be coming back. That just shouldn't happen. But especially with everything that Maryland's gone through over the over the off season, and so uh, give also some. I mean, Texas may not be back, but give some kudos to Maryland for you know the death of a player. Uh, in the off season, uh, their coach is gone uh, well, for now. I think their coach um, is on administrative leave. Yeah, is also a little ridiculous. This is absurd. Yeah. The strength coach is also, I think, on administrative leave. But I mean, they came out and they played hard. And man, that was it was it was exciting to watch them get the win. And there was a great interview with the acting coach afterwards, just kind of giving all the credit to. To the players and the kids that were playing out there, and so uh, while Texas is absolutely not back, it was it was cool to see Maryland uh, get a win. I agree. That's the wife's home state, so uh, I, there you go. I I'm happy to see them succeed. Fear the turtle, man. All right, then just other notable games. We had West Virginia playing against Tennessee. Notable mostly because Tennessee is the only SEC team to have lost in Week One. You know, I was actually a little bit happy to, to to see this. It's nice that Jeremy Pruitt felt that it was important to maintain the tradition that Butch Jones had started there uh, in Tennessee of just, you know, losing in embarrassing fashion. West Virginia is actually good. I don't want, I don't want to dismiss it. Yeah, they're good. And it was close for a half, but then yeah. Tennessee just got overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, That's a tradition unlike any other. Good <laughs> job, guys. Go Wolves. And then 
The last game I want to just mention, UAB won their first game of the season at home, 52-0. to zero. It, was a, it was an FCS school, but they still won it. It was a tie for the fifth bi- biggest blowout of week one, and one of only four shutouts. So, big props to them. But that will close us up for the, the week one reviews. Uh, I'm feeling a little saucy. I, I feel like I have a lot to overreact to. How are you feeling? Yeah, let's get to it. Yeah. All right. So here's what I want to do. I want to take everything that we learned in week one, and then I want to extrapolate for the whole season. So week one taught us everything we probably need to know. And if you're one of our listeners who is particularly crunched for time, you can listen to these next few minutes and you can tune out for the rest of the season because... Frankly, this is as good as the analysis gets. So let's let's talk about some storylines, some rankings, how we see 2018 shaping up. Quick, right here at the top, who are your playoff contenders, top four teams you see at the end of the season, and who are the two teams below that looking in? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it, there's a lot of ways to do this. I, I'm looking at just this first week mm-hmm. um, and how teams played. Uh, I'm not sure that it's going to end up like this, but right now I've got Bama 1, Clemson 2. Okay. And then based on how they played, I have Ohio State 3, Oklahoma 4. Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield's gone. Did you know this? You were in a box. But uh, (laughs) I announced that he was going to leave before (laughs) I put you there. (laughs) Wait, Mayfield's gone? Um, Is Bob Stoops still coaching there? I They just look good. Um, okay, against FAU. Uh, they they did, but I, I, I almost said necessarily, I would have said the same thing. I think Lane Kiffin, I thought Lane Kiffin might have a little something for him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's just total, total domination. And as we've already talked about, other teams that were supposed to totally dominate teams like, you know, Utah State, mm-hmm. App State, mm-hmm. Maryland, uh, teams like Michigan State, Penn State didn't do that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you know, they did what they were supposed to do, but it wasn't like it was ever close, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, five touchdowns and four possessions. They just looked completely dominant in every phase of the game. Yeah. Kyler, Murray, Kyler Murray looks like he's just like a better athlete version of Baker Mayfield in that game. We'll see when they get this different competition, but right now I've got those four on the okay. outside looking in, but just on the outside I've got Auburn and I think Wisconsin. And my bet is Whoa. I think Wisconsin's going to win the Big Ten by the end. This is really bold because you don't have Georgia no. anywhere in those. You think they're going to drop a game to Auburn and, what, the conference championship to Alabama? Is that how it's going to play out? I mean, uh, I just right now I, I don't have them up there. They handled their business, I guess, but uh, Austin P is nowhere near – even the, the quality of FAU. <laughs> so, or Louisville, or uh, some of these other teams. And Clemson, I just think, is good. I mean, they played Furman, so. Yeah. But, that's, uh, a, that's, a, that's an in-state rival, Furman. Oh, big rivalry. All right, I, I respect it. So, uh, here's my hot take. Okay. I'm going to have Clemson, number one. I'm going to have Ohio State, number two. And Georgia, number three. How do you feel about that? Uh, pretty terrible so far. Okay. And who's number four? Virginia Tech, obviously. <laughs> so I realize in overreactions, we were supposed to give like an alternate universe's version of top four. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry. Let's let's let me redo mine. Okay, number one, LSU. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna talk uh, about. Coach O here in a second, but I think that's fair. Uh, number two, Notre Dame. <laughs> all right, all right, hang on, hang on, hang on. All right, let me let me be a little bit serious here. So I uh, am playing two games here. Basically, I worry that Alabama's strength of schedule could bite them in the butt come the end of the season. And I worry that they drop the game to Auburn this year. There's no playoff for them. I mean, sure, chaos could happen, but I just think that 
their their schedule is historically weak, and I'm not sure they make it to the playoff this year. Also, the playoff committee probably a little bit susceptible to the talking heads who will convince them not to include Alabama with one loss. So that's that's one of the games I'm playing. I'm also uh, remembering that at the end of the last season, I picked against Alabama because all of my picking had gone so poorly prior to that that <laughs> I thought if I picked against them, they would win. And I don't know if you remember who won the national title, but you're welcome. So I have top-ranked. I, I do have Clemson. I have – I'm going to put Georgia actually at number two, Ohio State – and then my fourth team, I think, Wisconsin. Now, don't ask me how the Big Ten championship uh, is working that both Wisconsin and Ohio State make it in, but uh, I think that's who I have. And I think Alabama's on the outside looking in with Notre Dame because Notre Dame is chronically on the bubble. So I think that's my safest pick. I don't really know what to say, Jason. <laughs> Other than I need to I – need to... Bring my A game next time and overreact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is that is shocking. I, I won this round. I think of overreaction. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give your your conference rankings? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I feel like I need to put Conference USA one right now. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> so my realistic conference rankings: SEC at the top, yeah. of course. Okay. Which is strange if that's real, and then Alabama has an historically weak schedule in the mm-hmm. SEC West, the best division in college football. Anyway, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, ACC. You're putting – whoa! You rank the Pac-12 above the ACC? Who's in the ACC? Clemson? And Virginia Tech? Who knows how good they are? So, yeah, you have two good teams. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm putting SEC at the top. I think ultimately we're going to find out that the ACC is pretty good. I'm putting them, them number number three well, below and, the Big but Ten. I think, I think we're also ranking these differently. I'm not projecting how they're going to finish the season. I'm projecting where they're at right now. Oh, based on how they played. Yeah, what they look I mean, the Florida State's a bad team. Miami's a bad team. Yeah, but Florida those, State those lost are, to an ACC team, so <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they <laughs> so Virginia Tech's better, but Florida State and mm-hmm. Miami. Florida State would not have lost to yeah. someone of a different conference, unless that conference was SEC. Florida State is just above every other team, but just below Tennessee. So that's what I think. I think know. the SEC and Big Ten are kind of clearly above the rest, and then it's kind of everybody I, else. I I agree with it. I, I agree with that that assessment. But I'm going to put ACC three, Big Twelve, Pac Twelve can be at the bottom. But who, I think who do they have? Who, who does Pac Twelve have? Just top to bottom, they're more solid. Like who's the worst team in the Pac Twelve? Um, overreacting. <laughs> Washington. Yeah, but UCLA is going to be a good football team. Their bottom is not as low as everybody else's. All right, let's move on. We have a lot to overreact to, Mark, and I want to make sure that I have the stamina for it. So, after week one, is Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat? He gets fired tomorrow. I think you could be right. <laughs> Dude, that, that's just a horrible showing. There's been It's been like next year, next year, next week, next week, yeah. and now you lose to a rival. If he loses to Michigan State and Ohio State again, I think he's probably fired at the end of the season. Okay. I don't yeah, know why you keep so. him around. You hired him to get you over the hump, and he's not getting you anywhere. Here's the question I have, though. Who 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 do they bring in? Jim Harbaugh was supposed to be the, the Michigan guy. You know, he had NFL experience. He comes in. You know, he's supposed to be the Michigan Nick Saban, I guess, only actually from that school. Only well, he sucks. He's He's middling. But who takes that job? Like Mark what coach Franks. would want to? Yeah, well, or Did you what, say coach Mark would, you know, what, what coach will do better? I mean, I don't know. But if you're Michigan, uh-huh. you can't just stay mediocre. You're one of the best traditions in college football. You're one of the proudest traditions in college football. You can't just be mediocre. Yeah. So you go out and hire, you try to make a big hire. Mark Dantone. Um, I mean, 
I mean, you know whose name is always always around when thinking about a Michigan coach? Les Miles. He he is doing commercial work these days, so yes. uh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, maybe bring in Les Miles. I mean, it can't get worse. That's the thing. Take a risk. Is it going it, to get worse for you? It could get worse. No, it can't. You're one in five against Michigan State and Ohio State. It doesn't get worse than that for Michigan. Oh, I see. The name of the game is to, to win those games, and and he hasn't been doing it. I I hear you. Okay. All right, Jim Harbaugh. Your seat is hot. Is Jim Harbaugh this year's Butch Jones? Oh gosh, I hope so. <laughs> it's it's quite. I'm possible. ready for it. I'm ready for it. All right, let's move on. Uh, Ed Orgeron is Coach O the greatest coach of all time? <laughs> I mean, I, I even though it's overreaction, I mean, I really want to say yes, but there's just no way I can say that. Did you see what happened to Miami? Miami. From the Look, ACC, that's if, the second best conference in the if country. If Bear Bryant and Nick Saban didn't exist and didn't coach for Alabama, then I would be willing to say that. Okay. Just even jokingly. But since they do exist and they are the best, I can't. It's just yes, I can't. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. he is. I agree. I mean, you have to. Okay, he is. He now the great thing is LSU might have two of the most entertaining coaches of all time back to back. Oh, I could I could say that his his voice is so buttery smooth, like <laughs> curdled, not smooth butter. Oh, it's really quite grating, but in like a really enjoyable way. I I I don't know what I would do if if he weren't around, because frankly, I would hope he would go into commentating. That would actually that would be really great. Yeah, greatest coach of all time. I think so. Uh, I hope he comes to UAB. <laughs> that would be amazing. Not as a head coach or anything. Uh, he 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 can, he can call the games. All right. Next up, where does Jalen transfer now? Yeah, well, he's going to. Uh, I think he's going to wait to graduate and then transfer. He has to go to Florida Atlantic. You 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 brought this up last year. Yes. You he's going to go to a bigger school. No, uh, he shouldn't. Go to Florida Atlantic. If mm-hmm. Florida Atlantic had. Jalen at quarterback, they win against Oklahoma this past week. I love that take. I mean, it's dead wrong, but I love it. All right. Next up, does Maria Taylor take over coaching at Auburn to exact revenge on Saban for acting like a D-bag? It's just maybe the greatest question of all time. Yeah. Uh, And the answer is clearly yes. Oh, I'd really like to see her coaching. I mean, especially in a revenge spot. Which it would be all the time. Yeah, old Saban. He uh, needed to tone it down a little bit. Perfectly valid question, Saban. Perfectly valid question. Honestly, now, like the most valid question. I'm so, that that he is basically setting himself up to be asked over and over again. But all she asked was, "What did you learn about your quarterbacks?" You could say positive things about both of them. I thought they both competed well. But thought they both played well. I look forward to seeing what they do the rest of the season. You can answer that in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Now, I think what it revealed is Saban has a tremendous amount of respect, and he really likes Jalen. Yeah. Um, but he knows Tua sure. is, is that's, one of the That's job. a nice way to interpret it. Sure. Um, but, no, no, he was – yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't a good look for, for, for Coach Saban. But Maria Taylor, on the other hand, handled it wonderfully. Nope. And just said, I hear you. Nope. Next nope. question. Yeah, good on Saban. He actually called her and apologized. Do you think that he revealed that that Tua would be the starter in part because of that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. For this week against Arkansas State, he 100% said Tua would be the starter. So there were no more questions about it. Because he was probably going to, if asked, I don't know if he could really control it at this point. I think he's just going to get frustrated and blow up on somebody. It really did seem like it was not in his control to basically... And given given that reaction, and given how people reacted to what he did with Maria Taylor, I think he was just like probably his PR group and whatever else communications team said. You just gotta say two is gonna be the starter because yeah. he is. All right, uh, last little bit we want to overreact to. Dr Pepper has a new ad campaign. So my question for you is, how much do you miss Larry Culpepper? I gotta tell you, man, I miss him a lot. Uh, I thought he was funny. Um, 
Uh, I love me some Larry Culpepper. I mean, he did... The most controversial thing I think you've ever said on this show, but continue. (laughs) He did invent the playoff. Uh, I think that's important. And Dr. Pepper is completely disrespecting him. Honestly, I don't know if I miss Larry Culpepper that much. Like, if if he were just gone, I don't know if I'd miss him. But the fact that they replaced it with fans, though, that actually makes me want Larry Culpepper to come back. It it is a disgrace to his memory. He's a national treasure. It's really strange. The only thing I enjoyed about the Fansville thing is it looks like Les Miles is going to be a part of the storyline going forward, and I'm all for that yeah, entertainment. Sure. I heard he moved to Fansville. All right. Now, I want to talk about some Week 2 games. Uh, I want to just preview them real quick. I kind of don't want to spend a whole lot of time on Week 2 games that might be boring. So let's just go through these quickly. I only have five. I'm not even going to talk about the Alabama-Arkansas State game, except, uh, as as we just said, it, it appears that Tua will be the starter for that game. Uh, they'll win. All right, we just previewed it. Done. All right. Great. So uh, let's talk about some notable games here. Georgia, number three, is playing against South Carolina, who is also ranked after their week one win. They're ranked number 24. Georgia is a 10-point favorite here. What do you think? Yeah, a lot of people think the Gamecocks are going to not only play them tough, but actually win. I disagree. have Georgia covering. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. I know how you can – this line seems funny to me. Maybe I'm just used to the last few years. Basically, as long as I've been paying attention to college football, South Carolina's never been particularly good. I know they won like eight last year, but it wasn't against teams like Georgia. So, number two, let's talk about Stanford playing USC. In-state rival there in Southern California. Stanford is ranked number 17. USC is ranked number 10, but Stanford has the line here by about four and a half points. What do you think? Uh, I got Stanford and they cover. I got Stanford winning the Pac-12. Do you? All right. Mm-hmm. You had them winning last year at the Pac-12, right? Sure did. Did they win the Pac-12? Uh, I don't remember. I put it in a box. <laughs> <laughs> that happened before you got put in the box. Yeah, but my memory's gone. Yeah, mine too. All right. Uh, Bryce Love didn't look so great in uh, his game, but I still agree with you. Stanford's, uh, I'll take Stanford minus those points. Penn State is playing Pitt, who they lost to last year. Penn State's ranked number 13. Pitt is unranked. They are expected to win by eight and a half points. Penn State, that is. I don't know. I'm picking Pitt in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go Nittany Lions, so that would be Penn State. Uh, you just uh, Hopefully the App State games will wake up call. I want to see Pat McSorley. Do well. I like him at QB, but uh, no Saquon Barkley is... Great, McSorley. What did I say? Pat. Who is Pat McSorley? I don't know, but it sounds like a good old-fashioned Irish name. (laughs) It does. Oh, Pat McSorley. Yeah, so, Trace, thank you very much. Yeah, I think that was a wake-up call. The Saquon Barkley, post-Saquon Barkley, might be tough. Yeah. So we'll see. I agree. Although, Trace McSorley looked pretty good in the game, so... Uh, give him some credit there. Number two, Clemson's playing Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher's first real test, I think, there in College Station. Clemson, they're, they're, they're expected to win by about 12 and a half. So in this matchup, I'm definitely going to take Clemson. As I said earlier, I am expecting them at the top of the rankings at the end of the year. So they're going to make this look like a cakewalk. Uh, Clemson will win. I think Texas A&M will make it tough. It'll look close early, and then Clemson will kind of run away with it at the end. But Jimbo Fisher will have something for him. But they're just they're not there yet to compete with the likes of Clemson. So you're taking Clemson minus the points? Well, I, I think they'll cover. Okay. But it'll be late. It'll be close, and then they'll pull away late. So then we have another exciting in-state rivalry. We have Iowa versus Iowa State. Iowa slight favorite here by just over a field goal. I don't know. Is who's who's uh is Iowa State playing at home? Who's at home? If it's at Iowa State, I'm basically I'm taking the home team. I know it's at it's looks like it's at Iowa. That'll be good for them. So you're taking Iowa. Then I'll take the Hawkeyes. Yeah. All right. I I liked Iowa State last year as kind of a chaos team. I don't know if they have that in them two years in a row. Not that it's really chaos if they beat Iowa. Well, I'm just going to be contrarian. I'm taking Iowa State here. 
Nice. I, I like it. Cyclones are a fun team. But, yeah, I think the, the home field advantage is too much for those teams. All right. That is all of the previews I had. So that's our show for this week. Uh, tune in next week. You can see if any of our overreactions come true. So if this time next week Jim Harbaugh is out of a job, you heard it here first. So let me just go ahead and say that. So to wrap this thing up, you can find us on iTunes, and I think you will be able to find us on Google Play. Please rate and review us. It really does help with our rankings. Thank you for tuning in. Mark, uh, I'm going to let you go home to your family. Uh, so you can... Uh, they've been missing me. <laughs> you know, it's funny. They didn't reach out to me or anything. So <laughs> Maybe they haven't been missing me. Just saying. Sheepers. <laughs> All right. Well, it was good talking to you again. And everybody else, we'll catch you next week. 